0: Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast. Today we welcome our ninth guest to the podcast. His name is Andreas Vazaios and he is a professional Greek swimmer. Andreas has competed in a 200-meter individual medley event at the 2012 London Olympics as well as the Rio 2016 Olympics. In 2019, Andreas broke the individual medley European records. Andreas also swam for the North Carolina State University where he won the
1: NCAA championship twice in the 200-yard butterfly. He was also a member of the two times NCAA champion, 800 freestyle relay, breaking the NCAA record, ACC record, and the school record. Andreas is a member of the London Raw team, competing in season two of the International Swimming League, which is a league comprising the world's best swimmers competing for the title. So let's welcome Andreas to the podcast. Hey, hey man. Hey, how are you?
2: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
1: Yeah, good. <laughs> you well, been, you been Yeah. Yeah. Have you, you been busy One at <other> a time. <laughs> okay, oh, you go. Have you been busy um, today? Yeah, yeah.
2: Just uh, had training and then your um, time. Okay. Uh, and here I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've been busy today as well. Literally just got back from work, showered, and I, I'm sat down ready to record. So, yeah. one, one of them ones. Hey, nice.
0: I've been, preparing, I've been preparing for holidays. I'm going to Spain next, uh, well, tomorrow actually um we're driving down so uh so yeah i need yeah. to make the most of the summer <laughs> the only person <laughs> i know directly. is going on holiday yeah <laughs> for me.
1: But, um yeah what we'd like to do with our guests to sort of start off is um we sort of like to get a overview of like your background you growing up uh, what was it like growing up in greece and how did you sort of get into swimming <laughs> um so i started swimming when i was uh three and a half um i
2: kind of i always loved being in the ocean being in the water and um i have an older sister so she was already swimming and uh i was kind of jealous of like why she's not swimming why not swimming i love being like in the water so why i have to like you know Start swimming as well. So that's how I started to uh, go with like the basic swimming lessons and uh, went through all like the levels, like learning all the strokes and um, uh, starting training, having races. Uh, in 2009, I um, um, was selected for the first time to represent uh, the Greek national team. And I've been since uh, a member of the Greek national team and uh, participated in. I was uh 15
1: okay. yeah
2: well, that that was uh the oldest as you can uh get into the national team with uh some youth uh combat um so went to european uh juniors uh won the bronze silver and the gold then went to world juniors uh won two uh silver and the fourth place by uh things it was like 10 10 second 10, 10 100s.' <laughs> we're so mad mm-hmm. um and then for the first time participating in olympic games in 2012 um i was 17 i qualified in the 200 individual medley um i was too young so i knew that i wasn't really able to uh, advance to the semifinals. So I was really going for, um, get the experience, um, and get like a big memory and know how the big stages look like in a way. Um, I finished twenty sixth, I guess, but I did my, uh, Greek national record of the, uh, for juniors, so it was a really good race. And my goal was behind the block. I was like, okay, when you touch the pad and you finish the race before you look at the time, going to ask one question to yourself. If you enjoyed the race and that's what i did i was i had the idea that if it was olympic games so if i hadn't enjoyed that race the out of the like the most uh it would have been a failure um because so regardless of the time regardless if i've been like five minutes or like one minute um i was still wanting to have enjoyed that race um so when i tested pad i quickly asked uh, Uh, myself that question. I said, yes, of course, I still remember everything. And um, then, saw the times I was really happy. Um, And then continue to um, men's, uh, Europeans, worlds, long course, short course. um, Got my first medal in um, European short course in 2015. I was uh, third in the 100 meters individual medley. And then um, a few months later, I was European champion uh, in the two hundred individual medley at uh, Europeans in London. Um, then Rio, uh, my second participation in Olympic Games. Uh, I was more experienced. I was more prepared. Uh, pr- more um, physically prepared. Um, I advanced to the semifinals, but then I couldn't handle the pressure um it was i wasn't i wasn't feeling mentally ready to have a big moment and uh, i was too stressed um so it kind of like beat me and i finished uh 11 still a great place but still it was um a bit far about my best performance i knew that when i finished the race first i knew that i wasn't in the final which what that was my goal and then second of all i knew that i could have been better because i've trained so much better um and then Moving forward, kind of like try to punch through and don't let it um, bring me down. Um, And of course I kept swimming. And uh, um, three years later, I was a European champion with European record in the 200 individual medley um, and qualified for the summer Olympics in 2021 <laughs> instead of 20. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of like my uh, journey in a really fast forward. Um, but yeah, growing up in Greece, I grew up with in a great family. They were really supportive, uh, supportive in my journey. They were always um, there whenever I needed them, but at the same time, they let me have ownership uh over the sport, over my training, over my performances. So uh I was blessed to be provided with everything that I needed with the simple stuff of having like a roof above my head, um food and you know water and everything um up to the point of being there for me. Um and fly as much as possible to my competition to support me as well. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really grateful. I'm still grateful and always say thank you because I know that I wasn't going to be the person that the man I am right now, because uh, if I hadn't, I, I didn't have them. Um, and then I, I forgot to mention that I, I went to the U.S. I did my undergrad um, in the U.S. So for three and a half years, I also participated in uh, uh for the NCAAs, the National Collegial Athletic uh, Association. So it was like the uh, big thing over there, similar to Bucks uh, that you have here in the UK. Um, And I was uh, four times NCAA champion, uh, two times with uh, a relay and then two times individually. Um, But not only the two I am, surprisingly, but in the two fly. And then I moved here the past September to pursue my dream to become a sports psychologist. So right now, I'm doing my master's in sports and exercise psychology at Loughborough University, uh, which is something that I want to pursue after retiring for swimming, which I don't think is going to be after uh, this
0: Olympic Games, to be honest
1: damn
2: so yeah
0: <laughs> <bit> me. <laughs> sorry if it was overwhelming <laughs> that was perfect there's so so many things to unpack in in that journey of yours um but i feel like a good place to kind of start is um so you mentioned that you were 17 years old and you were competing at the biggest stage for you how was that um being being in the, so young
2: um honestly just because i I, I was aware that I wasn't fast enough to advance in the semifinals. I think that kind of helped me to focus on what I could do, which was um, like, I knew that my pick could be the um, national record uh, in the 200 individual medley, which was the event that I have qualified. Um, so that was my swimming goal. But my overall goal was to really embrace every second that I was in the venue in the olympic village uh while i was just with other olympians either greek olympians or when i was at the pool just to be able to um see my role models in uh real time and just like see what they do um during the warm-up outside of the water inside of the water how do they prepare uh, if they have any specific routines that i could help that i could try to just to uh, see if something like that could help me to develop as an athlete because I was only 17. I knew that I could gain so much out of that experience. So I was literally like a sponge trying to embrace everything, trying to take everything in so I can use them moving forward as like <laughs> like a catapult to just like threw me off. And I knew that that was my last year uh, junior. So I was kind of like wanting to utilize this experience um moving forward to the men's category um so i was i was literally everyone was it i was in oh also i forgot to mention that i was the youngest of the uh olympic the greek olympic team not only swimming but like overall sports so literally everyone were so nice to me <laughs> yeah. and i was i was so happy because they kind of like i met I met literally everyone and yeah. everyone kind of like saying like, Oh, you're always smiling and stuff. i are like, yeah, I'm all the games. Why wouldn't I nice smile? <laughs> like, this is the, I don't know, the most elite level of like yeah, performance. Yeah. So there's no point for me to just be sad. Um, which it was, yeah, it was great. I think it will follow me. Uh, I think if you ask me if water is my favorite race, I still have that race in, the at least top five because i enjoyed it so much and um it kind of represents of the passion that i have about the sport the the love and um how pure and uh true is that yeah.
1: At 17 years old, so you're talking about embracing the games and sort of uh, measuring your happiness. Like these are super like mature things that you're doing there at 17 years old. A lot of people would just feel pressure going into the Olympics. And the fact that you're measuring happiness really stood out to me. Like what was the influence behind that? Was that solely you or was you working with someone to sort of have those thoughts going on in your head?
2: Um, At that time, I wasn't working with a sports psychologist um so it was kinda, kind of um how i was raised in a way and uh, how i was developed as an athlete um i was always trying to enjoy every time and every moment that i had in the sport mm. so even during training that was <laughs> painful like uh, because of hard like the hard key sets and training and traveling and everything i was always trying to be positive yeah. And um, I grew up with that mentality, regardless of what we we're doing, um, and it kind of helped me uh, to embrace that moment. And the fact that I was aware that even, even, even I would perform my hundred and fifty percent, I was still wouldn't able to advance. So in the semifinals, unfortunately. So I think that kind of um, took the pressure of the performance itself out of the picture. Yeah. Um, And out of the equation so that's why I was able to be more concentrated to enjoy and uh, like get that experience and uh, use it for later on
1: yeah I can sort of see where how you say you were brought up to sort of be like that as an athlete you mentioned that your parents promote ownership in your training and that's something that I've done my coaching badges in football um, in the UK And that's something that they really try and promote to kids, sort of having that ownership uh, uh, over training and stuff. So always promoting that, the enjoyment of of football and having that within you throughout, even at all levels, you know, it's so important. And like you talking about at Olympic level, even having that still, so that's so key. (laughs)
2: Thank you. Yeah, uh, I believe it's something that it's um, a key moment for parents more than the athletes. Um, I've seen so many parents being so, how to say it politely, um, involved yeah. into their, their children's uh, sport and performance, which I think is on the one hand is good because they're interested about it. Uh, but at the same time, I think is a little bit too much that it takes, uh, it gives the child, like the, the athlete, the idea that I perform for my parent, which is, mm. I think is a little bit problematic. It creates more difficulties in the long run. Um, because you need to know that you perform for yourself, not for someone that stands like being in the stands, or neither for your coach, neither for anyone. Uh, and I try to have that mentality even when I, I represent my country, which is I think is like the ultimate level of pressure that you can have. Like I have to perform in a way, you know. Um, so yeah, even when I perform for for Greece, I still try to uh, to say that. I perform for myself first and I need to enjoy it regardless of the results. And for sure, try to race as fast as possible and be as fast as possible and bring my country as high as as possible.
0: (laughs) How do you manage to install that mindset in your brain? Because if I was representing (laughs) my country, the only thing I would be thinking about is not wanting to disappoint all the people back home. So how do you as an athlete develop that?
2: Um, I think it came from, honestly, from the bad performances. So when I had some bad performances, I had my coach to say that people are not disappointed because you didn't perform well. Uh, yes, people have expectations of you. Yes, people um, expect you to be at the medals, for example, or at the finals. Um, so I had my coach We which we have been working for like almost four, 14 years now to kind of teach me that you need to enjoy the moment and try to kind of block anything that it can create you more stress that you already might have in your head. Um, so from that extent, I kind of grew, like I, I grew that and I developed it up to the level of Olympic games and say that it's just me in my own lane and i try to follow my strategy as best as i can and not and try to create any stretcher or any any obstacle um that it can take the fun out of the performance but also it can make me go slower and don't be not be able to perform um so it didn't come from the successes it came from the the failures that i had in my career because i know it sounds ideal but no it's like it's, you. Ha- I had more failures than successes in my life, and I'm glad that I had them because every failure, every um, misstep that I had made me even better and more prepared for the next step and for the next one and the one after that and m- moving on. Like for 27 years, um, so what my parents taught me, and I think that was kind of like the umbrella over everything, is to. When I have a failure, try to find the positive ones, keep them, and then try to find the negative ones and try to find ways to switch them into positive. So what are some things that I did during my race or during my performance overall or um, during my preparation for the competition that I can change it, that I could be better. So for the next time that I will be behind the boss to perform, I will be more ready. I'll be um, ready to perform my best and be perform better and perform more um, professional in a way. Um, so I always try to reflect um, not sometimes not even not right away because I might have another another race um, because when we talk about Europeans worlds and Olympic Games it's not just one day competition it's eight days so I might not perform uh, on the first day, and i have another event on the fifth day so i might not be able to reflect right away so i kind of like say okay it happened i have to move to the next one and be ready for the next one and at the end of the whole competition try to go to reflect by myself first and then uh, utilize my coach's experience as well um so reflect through his uh, ideas his knowledge his skills and how to be better as an athlete uh, because He's a big part as well. But at the same time, I'm the one that performs. Yeah. So I always try to have a good uh, coach-athlete relationship.
1: Man, there's so many clips there. I can only think about clipping up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so when you were talking about, uh, obviously, you went to the Olympics, was embracing it and, and all of that. You talked about um, watching the other pros and saw sort of what they were doing. What were the key things during that... Um, of you looking at them what did you pick up from them
2: um one of the biggest things that i kind of like learned at that time was how important is your preparation outside of the water i always believed at that time that uh oh i, I have the warm-up in the pool like i don't need to do so many things outside but i saw my um raw model uh who is laszlo check he's an Hungarian uh olympian So I saw his routine outside of the water, preparing for the for the race, and I was shocked. I was I was like, "What is he doing? Is he not gonna get tired?" So I was going I was going to my coach. I was like, "Is this? Should we tell him like to stop? Seeing him like (laughs) doing lunges, doing like uh, burpees, jumps, and having like um, a stretch cord, doing like exercise for the shoulders, and do some some core exercising." And it was over like 15, 20 minutes. So I was kind of like, what's going on? And I was like, okay, Brady, (laughs) let's (laughs) go. (laughs) So um, that was one of the key moments. I I had a routine. It wasn't that complicated. It it didn't involve so many different uh, muscle groups, for example, or different exercises, more core exercises. Um, So I think that was when it clicked that I have to be uh, a professional outside of the water. So that's when... I took a big step and learned how to uh, create a routine before my warm up in the pool, just to prepare my body um, more. So I won't have to do more meters or more drills in the water. So I can like technically spend more time in the water before my race. Um, And it kind of like, it's a chain. You, You have to have like each part of it until you be ready to get to the goal, which is to perform well at the race. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest part for sure.
1: Yeah, we've just had on a, um, I want to talk about sort of the components of your pre-performance routine because we've just had a um, Alessia Trust on the podcast and she's like one of the most famous pre-performance routines you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. I sort of want to know the components of your pre-performance routine because it's something that I've studied um, in my undergrad uh so what sort of do you implement any psychological strategies in there um and what sort of behavioral steps do you do
2: um so i have a i kind of like started having a a rule um of like when i step like in the pool i kind of like i sat down it's just me and my race so i don't do much before like right before a few hours before my uh competition i feel that it's something that I have to uh, train throughout the season. So as I'm training my body, I still have to train my mind as well. So during training, during when I'm hurting the most, I uh, that's the moment when I kind of like um, try to think that I'm doing this for my goals and try to uh, visualize that uh, I need to have to like motivate myself and i think that routine daily it kind of creates a better step to have uh, a bigger um what is the word that i'm looking for um confidence when you get behind the block for the race um so during my uh, pre-pool um preparation um before the race i kind of like focus on that technical stuff that i have to do during the race so i'm not I'm still trying to motivate like, like, I'm still ready. Uh, this is my moment. Like, this is my race. So like some, uh, let's say basic stuff, um, and try to stay as concentrated as possible to what I can do and what stuff that I need to do in order to perform well. So kind of like a self-centered, in a way in a positive way, um, orientation. Um, But, yeah, daily I'm trying to push myself, I'm trying to teach myself that I um, today it's a a new opportunity how to be better and how to be a step closer towards my goal, which like this year is, of course, Olympic Games.
1: Mm. Yeah, you spoke about um, obviously focusing on the technical elements, and that's something that I found um, during my undergrad dissertation where focusing on the task relevant um things jo- join like your swimming and stuff is it makes you not focus on the task irrelevant things like the pressure of performance the crowd uh, and things like that so yes what, what you're saying right now is like heavily cited in the literature so that's good
0: yeah great <laughs> I, I just have a question for you andreas um so have you tried any different pre-performance routines such as like self-talk like literally just before you compete or uh, breathing techniques have you any, have you tried any of these
2: um i haven't tried uh software be- before i kind of use it but not um kind of like whenever i feel that i'm getting tired or i'm getting worried uh i have that as a backup plan so as we said i'm trying to focus more of like some of the warm-ups or some of the strategies that I want to uh, do, or uh, right before my tra- like right before my race, I might do the whole r- like visualize the whole race. So how many strokes I'm going to get, when I'm going to breathe, uh, my turns and um, my like my rate. So I'm kind of like using my body as well, like while thinking of how like at what stroke I am, uh, because the 200 individual medley, which is the the my main event. I kind of have all the strokes, starting with butterfly, moving back with a uh, backstroke, breaststroke, and finishing um, uh, breathing exercises. I started using them um, a few, a couple of years ago, three years ago, um, but still, again, not before the competition. It's not something that I added that in my routine. So I kind of use uh, breathing exercises uh, to uh, sleep better, uh, sleep earlier um and uh it helped me more to that concentrating on, on those kind of stars in those kind of stuff in order to kind of like relax and um de-stress and uh um stop thinking about the competition because that's another big thing when you are so excited about the the race um it feels like you had 500 in and so you were so energized without doing anything you might sit on your bed and be like what's going on why have like why my, why my heart is beating so fast so kind of uh, taught the breathing exercises just to calm down and be able to um take that out of the picture so i can relax and not be so tense all the time um because you have to know when when to switch like when you turn the switch on and when you have to turn the switch off.
0: Those
1: uh, breathing okay. exercises, what sort of, um, there's lots of different techniques for breathing exercises and um, I'm familiar with the, the four, seven, eight, but I just want to know what sort of breathing exercises did you do uh, and what, how did like, what are the components of it?
2: Um, so it's more of like counting the, like counting your breaths. So yeah. I do um, four times in, hold two, four times out, hold two, and have that for okay. like 10, 15 minutes. You can, you can go as much as you want. Once I was like for over 30 minutes, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, Super calm. So at that time you can even have music. Yeah, no, <laughs> no it kind of like, which, which it was great, right? Because it, it helped me so much to concentrate on that. And I didn't think about anything else. So I was, I was, I was literally <clears throat> in the moment. Um so sometimes um I combine that with some music. Um n- not something pumpy, some like just relax, uh relaxed tunes. Um but uh, yeah, other t- other times it can be with like uh, uh a relaxing position to so have your legs elevated. Um so you can also take some of the blood out of your um quads, especially uh if the sport is more like la- like leg driven yeah. as football, for example, or like with us, I'm a more leg driven athlete. So, um, I always need to have relaxed my legs and ready to go.
0: I really like what you just said, because it just shows that pre-performance routines aren't always used just before you compete. It's, it's about even the days, the hours before competition. And I think a lot of people forget that. So it's really cool that mm-hmm. you, you kind of shed light on that. So yeah, it's cool.
2: Yeah. I still remember. So when I got my first, um, medal, um, at Europeans in 2015, that bronze medal, um, the hundred IM is of the last day, the last event of the competition. So competition was in December and I started thinking about that race when I was in October, I went up to my coach and I said, you know what, I'm going to get a medal on that race. So I, even though I had the two the the two AM the hundred fly the two hundred fly the day before it, like on the first day third day fourth day and then finishing up with the hundred AM um, I was kind of like no this is my chance and I wanted to get it so I was working for that uh, mentally for like almost three months I was thinking that you know what I'm going to win so every day that I was doing my training. Um, I was just finishing up and saying like, you know what? Today I was a step closer to my, to my goal. And then whenever I was telling this, like this story, everyone was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I was thinking that race for three months. I was like, I was visualizing that I was finishing up and be in the podium. And, uh, and it happened. Like I worked so much and it keep me motivated, which is amazing. And it's great. And you know what, like this. technique and this routine it can like so much variate um something that i do it might not be beneficial for some other athletes and like vice versa um like i don't like listening to music before my competition some other athletes they just really crack on some heavy metal and be like "Ah, that it's just it can literally be anything um which was i really love that because it gives so many opportunities and so many different options for everyone to try new things and see what really suits you and keep it for the big competition. So yeah, I would suggest to try new things when you have a small, like a not as important competition. And in order to find the the key parts that can make your performance and your goal performance, um, the, the better, um, the best it can be um and then that that's what i did when i had some small like championships or like competition throughout the season uh that i wasn't fully tapered for that uh, tried to do this different stuff like even during my race different different strategies so i can choose and train for the best one for the olympics
0: yeah i can see your inner sports psychologist uh <laughs> mind taking over but, but um but yeah i just wanted to ask you also what was it what, what was it like breaking the european record in 2019 it was amazing um
2: it was it was literally an an incredible moment um it's just winning uh, it just i don't know it's a definition of writing your name in the history like the book histories that he, that history, yeah, the books of history of your the sports. So, um, I, I was even surprised with my performance because I knew that I could break it, but I was not expecting the time. So when I stepped on the block, I was hundred percent confident that I could break the record and win the race, uh, win the goal. But I was still shocked with, um, with the time. Um, because it was, it was really fast. It was like, um, almost two seconds over my PB. And, uh, it was, um, like 0.6, 0.7 of the, of the record. So it was kind of like a big, big moment. Um, I was so happy, so excited. Um, I have like one of my disadvantages is like, I have self doubt. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) I was, uh kind of like so worried i couldn't believe it so i went up to my coach right after my race i hugged him so hard and i was like did they say that something happened with the timer so the time is wrong or something so i kind of asking him like really silly questions of like yeah. did i was disqualified maybe and they didn't say it because they didn't want to embarrass me because i had just broken the european record <laughs> stuff like this and he's like can you just stop and enjoy it <laughs> so i kept thinking of like maybe I was like past 15, but no one saw it <laughs> because we have a uh, 50 meter rule. So we can uh, go beyond 50 meters from underwater. Um, but that's something that I, it's one of my biggest disadvantages. So I kind of like work with psychologists and I'm still working about it just to kind of embrace the moment and embrace uh, embrace any success I might have. Um, because that's what the kind of like took the big success of my life and Europeans, I had that self doubt that I wasn't enough for uh, putting my name as an Olympian final, um, finalist. So I was so worried that I wasn't enough. And even though I've trained so well, my body was at the the, the best, um, like best possible scenario to perform well. And not well, just perform great, but my mind wasn't ready for it. Um, so kind of like, that's when I started working with uh, a sports psychologist, kind of like learn how to, um, I know it will sound cheesy, but like how to love myself more and how to be able to, um, embrace successes and be able to, um, create a better environment in my head and um, be more positive and more confident that I can do this. But at the same time, I deserve to do this. Um, and I think is that's like strong mindset that you need uh, in order to like be great and, uh, you know, be able to handle the stress of like all the games. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah you talked about um so obviously those are the strategies that you sort of done for self-doubt but at the start you mentioned that one of the competitions uh, it was after you were 17 you mentioned that you was uh, really stressed and struggled to handle the pressure were those the same sort of strategies you worked on uh for, for, for that or were they sort of different
2: um at that time i was uh kind of still developing strategies of how to cope with uh stress so nothing was really, um, kind of like settle. So that's why I wasn't hundred percent ready, uh, for Olympic games in back in two- 2016, uh, in Rio. Um, so I think after the, after the games, uh, in 2016, that was a moment when I realized that I really need to work with someone like, uh, like a mental health professional. So I will be able to, um, be ready for the next Olympics. And a lot of people, and unfortunately some in my country as well, there's that stereotype that, oh, you have to be with a a mental disorder in order to work with a sports psychologist or like with a psychologist in general. Um, Whereas it's not the case. Like if, if you have something that you feel like you struggle with, like it's, worth talking to someone like talk with a professional as, well with a with a professional and like use any resources that you might have in order to be he- like have a healthy mind and a healthy body um it's because at the end of the game it's a, it, it is a mind game so at the olympic final it is a mind game it's like who is ready to perform not only physically because when you get up to that level everyone is pretty much like close to each other physically who is ready mentally to have the eye of a tiger and get and like get the win and get the medal
1: 100 <laughs> percent so like we've been talking about like these psychological attributes and qualities what you've been talking about and something that relates to my project uh for the masters and something that i've started asking all guests now is what's the most important psychological attribute or quality you feel make a successful swimmer
2: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I would like to talk more in general as athletes, not, okay. uh, as swimmers, because yeah. I think what I'm about to say, it kind of like talks throughout sports. Um, I think is be ha- like have like half confidence, um, like have self-esteem, half like like the understanding that. that the awareness that you deserve to perform well and regardless of what happened throughout the journey and the obstacles that you might have um as for example let's say uh 19 <laughs> uh, you still deserve to perform well so have that confidence have that trust of the process trust of yourself and um be able to like step on the block in my, in our case and Say like, you know what? I can do it. And I would do it because I, I, lo- I love doing this. I love racing. I love swimming. And I've trained so much. So let's, let's just go for it. And you can you can really control like what are going to do throughout your race. And that you can bring a- any outcome, honestly. Um, and you can go from there. But um, if you have confidence, you can confidence i feel that you're able to control your race and the strategy in your body as much as possible throughout the race and perform well
1: that's a good good take i think uh alessio said something similar about yeah. confidence and training for confidence as well so sort of getting similar themes from yeah. these elite athletes yeah for sure <laughs> so yeah so yeah. moving moving on from um your obviously elite career like I think it's a good time to sort of move on to your sports psychology studies and your plans after sports. So what was it sort of like balancing the demands of your athletic career, obviously competing at such a high level at such a young age, as well as your university studies in sports psychology?
0: Um,
2: oh,
1: it was really hard. So the story behind it is that I
2: started um, studying back in Greece, but unfortunately academics and sports are not combined. So. I had really uh, had to be at my university which is like 45 it was 45 minutes away from my flat and then um after the lectures i had to run to the swim pool so like unfortunately it's not as on campus so it's not everything close by so even like you can be walking distance as it is in loughborough or like in almost any any university uh in the u.s Uh, so for two and a half years, I was doing this and I was like, "Ah, this is impossible. I couldn't, I couldn't stay concentrated. I was, uh, commuting so much. Uh, it was always like six, almost six hours that I was commuting throughout the day just to be able to handle both. Um, so that's when I took the, um, I took the chance to find a scholarship and go to the United States. Um, which as, as here in Loughborough and in some universities around the UK, uh, sports and academics are combined. So everything is together. Everything is like, like um, kind of like step on each other and help each other. So um, just taking the six hours of commuting out of the way was so helpful because I had more time to prepare throughout my day, study more, rest more. So it was great. Um, so one of the things that I learned even throughout school is how to um, set up a schedule. Um, so I was doing like weekly and monthly, be able to uh, kind of like set the program of like what I have to have to do with like some of the deadlines that I have. And if I have an exams um, or like try to even with like daily homework or where to like, what day should I study what in order to be able to have more rest? In order to be able to um, not miss any training, because I had to do some homework, and I kind of used that that prioritizing um, throughout my uh, undergrad, and I think I, I do the same during the during the masters. Um, definitely, throughout the, the undergrad, it helped more because I always had more modules throughout one semester, um, six or seven sometimes. So it was kind of like really. Um, Really important to stick in the schedule and follow it as as much as possible, uh, in order to be able to do both at the same time. Um, and like psychology, and more specifically the sports psychology, is my new passion. I really like it. It's something that I, I I enjoy doing. It. I love reading about something new that I haven't read before. Like getting more information and how to be uh, a better professional when when that moment comes, of course, um, after masters and after training. Uh, so I kind of like love doing this and learn how to prioritize one or the other, because um, like, for example, this year, I had a, uh, a deadline for one of our uh, assignments uh, at Europeans. So I was trying so hard to um, meet the deadline before the Europeans, so I could have like a clear mindset throughout Europeans um and be able to do both and focus like you know at european because i knew that if i stepped my foot in budapest which was the european's uh longest this season uh i wouldn't be able to study <laughs> um so i tried hard to like finish the assignment beforehand um in order to be able to focus uh end up taking extension which like that that's the truth but that's something that I kind of like use the resources in order to be able to, um, you know, be on top of both of things, because as I said, like they're both are my passion. But that Unfortunately being an elite athlete has an expiration date. Uh, and I know that being a psychologist hopefully will be the next step after retiring. So I'm trying for both.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Did you kind of notice any cultural differences in terms of like swimming over there compared to like Europe? Did, like, is it different over there? The way they handle swimming, or
2: um, it's different just because you you're racing in a different pool. So in the US, they have 25 yards, which is 22 and a half meters. Uh, so the distance is even even shorter. So the race is even faster. So one of the biggest differences that I had training wise is that I had to put a lot of muscles. I have to be. I had to be more explosive. I had to be more fast in the in the turns and everything um so that was one of the when i started working on the small details more professionally um because i knew that if i missed one turn it can i can come from first to last and by like the opposite um i kind of build for example my strategy based on that um in the 200 in the 200 butterfly i on the first 50 i made On the second 50, I'm sixth. and the third 50 I'm fourth and I, I win the race. So kind of like build on that, um, like small details, how to like stay focused, how to, uh, stay concentrated and kind of like build my, uh, strength throughout the race, uh, whereas everyone is fading, I will be the top. Um, so one of that's one of the biggest things that I've changed. Uh, when I was, it changed when I was training back in the U S. Um, and then it helped me a lot to stay more concentrated throughout the race. Um, just because as I said, you like every detail matters. Um, it kind of taught me how to, for example, count my strokes throughout the race. So now like, I know that, oh, for example, at 18 strokes, I will hit the wall. So I need to turn. For example, if someone like blindfold me throughout the race, I'll be like, okay, I have like six more strokes and I'll hit the wall. Like I won't hit my face <laughs> kind of thing, um, which is, which is, yeah, you kind not need that because as you advance to level and up to like Olympic level, uh, you need to be as perfect as possible to perform well.
0: <laughs> so do you think that's made you a better athlete being able to like live a couple of years over there?
2: Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great experience. Uh, If I had three more years of eligibility or four years of of eligibility for the NCAAs, I would do it all over again. Um, I love the atmosphere. I love that um, team environment, teamwork. Everyone was together um, and everyone performed for each other. Um, So it's not about just who is going to win. Every point counts because they go with, uh, during the competition, they go with uh, points. So um, even if you come dead last, you get one point for the team. So uh, you always try to, of course, uh, finish first and finish as as high as possible in the rank in order to get more points. But um, that's one of like the team spirit, it kind of like helped and it kind of like suits me as a person because I'm pretty social. So I I like that team environment. And uh, um, it gives me that extra support that uh, I think an athlete needs. Um, and swimming, unfortunately, not unfortunately, swimming is an individual sport, so during your race, it's just by yourself. So during your training though, when it's the whole team, it kind of like help you, uh, push beyond your limits and how to, uh, support each other when I struggle or when someone else, of my uh, teammate struggles and, and be able to lift each other and be ready for the competition. Um which is, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Having those support networks is so key. And uh, Alessia spoke about that as well, ha- having that. Uh, but she did it in her studies. She, she was in an individual sport where she felt um, quite isolated, but she went to do her studies to sort of have that support network. Um, so sort of spoke about yeah. the culture, culture differences between the US and, and uh, Europe, but I sort of want to know the sports psychology differences. Was there any differences in terms of the delivery that you noticed um, between the two?
2: Um, I think it goes to the extent of like um, they build that team environment um, just because you like every point counts. So um, they kind of teach you that team environment that you don't race for yourself. You race for everyone that is behind you and everyone has your back um, and you're going to have their back when they are going to perform. So. So that's one of the um, psychological um, advantages that they give. They teach you how to utilize this energy that you can get from everyone else around you and be able to use that energy uh, as a resource rather than um, something that can pull you down and put more stress on you. Um, which is, amazing because like you have so many people around you that care about your performance and really want want you to perform well so sometimes we just take it for granted whereas you just have to use it in your advantage rather than just have it there and uh, stay still Um, so i think that's one of the differences whereas unfortunately in europe they still have swimming as an individual sport so Uh, during the competition yes they are more uh, rowdy but i think if you build that during the training environment as well i think it can help you uh to push better and perform better
1: um so Um, it's talked a lot there about your studies um but let's talk about sort of your future plans after your studies so you talk about wanting to become a sport psychologist like what do you actually want to do after competing like if you want to sort of Tell everyone your future plans, what would that be?
2: Yeah, um, so I I, want, I always wanted to do, uh, to follow a career that I could implement sport in any way. So as I said, I knew that being an elite athlete has an expiration date. So I wanted to contribute to what I've been doing and like to my whole life, like to the sport in a different way. So I was trying to, I was going back and forth from like being a, a, a physio or like, being an SNC coach, um, or being a psychologist, but psychology one, yeah. uh, fair and square, um, I had a, yeah, I had a free elective back in high school and I kind of like loved it. And I was kind of when they clicked that it's something that it really fits me. Um, so yeah, my plan after finishing my masters is to do the uh, training for licensure and be able to work as a professional psychologist. Um, in an ideal scenario would be like to work with like work with different sports, not just swimming. Um, I think will help me uh, as a professional to stay more involved with like um, uh, different like communities, different uh, sports, different strategies. Uh, like for example, being in an individual sport has like different strategies and different things to work on in a, in a team environment or when you have like a a team sport. So I think that it can give me that, um, uh, variation and like, don't be able to like get bored in a way, uh, and make it more interesting for me, more challenging. Um, but yeah, it's something that I, I want to tribute to sports, not as a role model and as an athlete, but in a different way, like being in psychology, because I grew up and like, I understood that how important mental health is, um, and how your body can be hundred percent ready, but your mind can be like really like 20 or 30% and how that can not, um, equal to like a, a good performance. Um. yeah so absolutely I want to contribute to that um.
1: oh, yeah I was exactly the same sort of wanted to, wanted to do something in sport didn't really know what and then psychology sort of won for me as well um, yeah. but uh, yeah I, I look forward to seeing like your, your career sort of uh, come into place because you clearly got a great knowledge of psychology from what you've talked about throughout your career so yeah I look forward to that but um, sort of moving on um we obviously asked what, our yeah. audience as uh, if they have any questions for you and we've got a few in so we sort of like to finish the episode on, on these questions okay <laughs>
2: um
1: so the first question was um what do you focus on in the moments before and during the moment you're about to dive in
2: oh wow um uh starting from the, <laughs> the last one when i'm on the blog, i just waiting to hear the beep and just dive in <laughs> uh what's that moment like? like at least the beast and <laughs> just be able to race <laughs>
1: yeah
2: uh, it's like if you i think it's like the complete chaos it's like yeah. being on space you're just waiting for that sound to just like explode um it, i think it's like the like a few seconds that is completely silent so i kind of like 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 i i, I love being in that spot, like being on take your marks and just waiting to explode and just start racing. Um, right before, as I said, I really like to concentrate more on strategies some of the technical, uh, technical parts, uh, that I want to follow throughout my race. Um, because yeah, the 200 individual medley is kind of like tricky. Um, so you kind of have to have a strategy because otherwise you you know be able yeah. to finish up strong um so yeah trying to focus on that which i think it helps me to stay more focused of what i can do and like more focus on me and kind of like block that whoever is my components and uh whoever i'm, r- I'm racing against
0: mm-hmm. interesting interesting so the second question was what do you enjoy doing outside of training and competing
2: oh um i love spending time with family and friends uh, since I've lived abroad for so many years, I really um, like to, especially when I visit back to back to Greece, uh, I really like just do that. Um, not going out as much, but just staying, for example, I love board games. Um, so <laughs> with my best friend, we can like play for so many hours, board games and you be like, oh my God. So yeah, it's one, kind of like, chill out with uh with friends because you know my my uh daily um routine is just so intense so uh whenever i'm off sports i kind of like try to um like unplug and beat myself
1: (laughs) okay so the third question is what's your favorite stroke and why
2: um i love butterfly and the reason is because it just so like you have to be strong and you have to have endurance so i think that butterfly is the toughest in a way oh it's um, so difficult so, yeah it's yeah so that's why i, I really like the challenge <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I love the butterfly but if medley it, it was a, it was a stroke i would definitely choose medley because i love swimming so i love like swim all the strokes that's why I'm good at the two hundred individual medley. Yeah,
1: I'm a Makes breaststroke sense.
0: man. Breaststroke. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the fun one.
0: Just nice and slow, <laughs> like an old lady. Or oh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, if you weren't, uh, if you if you didn't go into a in swimming, what do you think? What career would you have thought of going to?
2: Uh, that's a tough one Um, I don't know
0: they usually ask me if if
2: you were not choosing (laughs) no Uh, (laughs) uh, a lot of people ask me like if you uh, choose another sport what would that be and I always say beats volleyball because I I I find it so fascinating Um, and I'm kind of like yeah kind of like like playing Um, so in general I I don't know yeah, it's, it's hard to see myself not being an athlete in general. Um, and right now, I don't think if I could go back in time, I would just change anything of my choices. I love swimming, I love psychology. So I kind of, I feel that everything falls into place and uh, I'm glad they did, <laughs> to yeah. be honest, because I do what I love and I love what I do, which is a great model to have in your life. It's a blessing.
1: <laughs> That's for sure okay so that's all the questions we had for you thanks so much for uh, coming on uh we really enjoyed this episode um obviously yeah all your, all your socials they'll be in the description below um so yeah other than that thanks for coming on uh Great. if you could please share this with your friends absolutely. or someone Thank you, for you feel having
2: me appreciate it
1: yeah love, love that man so if you could please <laughs> share this with your friends or someone you would feel would benefit from it and most importantly Like, subscribe and comment down below any topics or guests you'd like us to cover or get on. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one.